Hello. At CD Media, we are literally the tip of the spear. From Ukraine to the vaccine to Brazil, we've been at the tip of the spear on all these stories early. So if you want to know what's going on in the world early, before the rest of the news catches up, watch CD Media. But you know what? We have to make money. So we do have ads on the sites. But I know people don't like pop-up ads. They don't like ads. It's a problem. I mean, you get them on your phone, etc. If you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no ad subscription, which is a few bucks a month. You get access to all of our sites, not just CD Media, but the Manhattan, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, Armed Forces Press, Tsarism overseas in Eastern Europe, and CDM Espanol if you speak Spanish. So all of these sites are available with no ads. So sign up for our no ad subscription. You can find it on the websites. There's a pop-up and also in the top menu. And, and pay us a few bucks a month, support free media, support your children's future, support the fight against the corrupt media narrative. Thank you very much. And now let's get to our guest. So today we're gonna to talk about a book and I am with Jill Malone. Jill, thanks for coming on. The Lies My Government Told Me. Robert's name is on the cover, yours isn't. What happened? Because you wrote and you get credit inside the book and you wrote a lot of that. What happened? Oh, what happened? So when Robert was asked to write this book, he was asked to write it and to have various authors um, contribute. And then um, he would write the back se section. Um, when we started, um, you know, Robert and I just we, we tend to work very collaboratively. We write a lot together. Mm -hmm. um, I really am not somebody who really cares if my name is out there. I'm, I'm, I really don't like uh, being on stage or uh, talking on the telephone. And so it, it kind of works for me to be the, the quiet partner in the background. Um, but as the book progressed, I did more and more of the work. Not that I didn't, that Robert wrote most of it, but I wrote a lot of it. And, um, and part of that was just that we take turns writing our Substack um, and, uh, so as it progressed at some point, um, Robert thought my name should really be on the book publicly, you know, on the front cover. And right. um, um, he pushed the publisher for that. And the publisher, um, um, who is a dear friend, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, we love Tony. We love we Tony. Love Tony uh, really thought that because it was written in Robert's voice that it should just be Robert's name on it. Um, so that's where it was. Well, I, I wanted to do this interview cause I want to give you the credit. So thank you. Know, you. As my government told me, uh, sky horse it's out. You can, where, where can they find the book? First of all. Oh, the book is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, this week, uh, the Kindle download is free on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, is, I think be is it just this week? Just this week, just this week. Yeah. Just okay. for Christmas. Um, which is, I think moved it into number eight on Kindle on Amazon, which is a good position. Um, sure. yeah. So, so there it is. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so let's, let's talk about this. Cause this is, okay. I mean, I've been covering this now for three years and I, you know, I, I go after the corruption side of the story. This is hard because you've been part of the system. You right. guys have been, yeah. you know, in, 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 in the vortex, uh, so to speak, you yeah. know, collaborating, you know, clinical trials and the science right, right, side right. of it. And so, what was the hardest part to write about this book? Because I mean, it really, it really is taking on the system and saying, okay, th this is broken from the inside. Right, right, right. So the hardest part, I think, of writing a book like this is both having it very technically accurate 
and making it readable for the lay audience and um, and making it so that we're talking to the persuadable middle, not those people who are already convinced that our system is corrupt, that um, we have issues with um, globalization and um, uh, the administrative state in this country kind of taking over the government. Um, and so, so if you're not already there, and, and it's like an onion, if you haven't been following this for years, it's really, really hard to understand just what's going on. And um, and so that was the hard part, making sure everything was meticulously referenced so that if the fact checkers come in later, they can't, they can't get us, and yet making it readable. And I think it was really hard kind of digging in to get those facts and making sure it was correct. Um, so, so you guys, you know, you, you, you've taken on sort of the, the money side of it. You've taken on the, the systems itself. You've taken on the World Economic Forum. You've taken on journalism. Okay. So I've been right. in the business for, for decades, but you know, you, you, you criticize the journalists, but at the same time in your uh, end notes, you, you know, you quote some of the same people that you're criticizing in terms of, you know, institutions, NBC, for instance. All right. 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 So, you know, I know from the inside that there are people that would like to do what I'm doing because I can do it independently. So my right. friends who are still at the networks, you know, feed me information. Right. 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 They can't, they can't get out there. So we, we have that pull. So I would just say, I absolutely, whenever I can, I will use a, 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 a reference from mainstream or legacy media because that confers legitimacy. If I can quote the New York Times saying that the CDC has hid and obfuscated data from the very beginning of this outbreak, it's going to have a lot more impact than if I say Breitbart to uh, the public I'm trying to convince. So um, using, you know, using references that confer legitimacy is a good thing. Mm -hmm. It is. So what was when when did you have your epiphany that, that this was something was really up? When did, um, when, when did your lights turn on? Because everybody, you know, the thing that I've learned through this is that everybody has a little bit of an epiphany. Right. But it, different. It, you know, right. something, it, it might be Ed Dowd's book because somebody's on Wall Street and they know Ed's background. Right. So there were two things. So number one was Robert's wiki page, which soon as he started speaking out, they just went all out to change it and um, to, to project him in the worst light possible. So that was a big one. But earlier, the real epiphany was um, Robert speaking to... Um, Dr. Marks at the FDA about the concerns he had about the signal with the um, blood clots very early on in the clinical trials. Um, they had the FDA, the people we were, uh, Robert was talking to, not me, um, uh, had a very early signal that there was um, problems with the vaccine. And um, Robert called up um, Dr. Marks and uh, uh, basically was told it was all okay, that um, that wasn't happening. And basically was was fed alive which he recognized very rapidly as such um that which was a real which year, which year was this is this 20 this was this was early 2021 that early. was early 2021 so so um almost two years ago so this is this is when Robert the vaccines that the vaccines very first started to be rolled out and um the fda picked up um some danger signals um um, from another system they were using, um, AI system that was that picked it up, 
And um, in particular, I believe it was the blood clots. So we were just talking about that this morning, which is why this is in my mind. But that was kind of a, a big event for both of us where we were going, what the heck? This isn't this is not the FDA. We know why. Why are they covering this? So that was really, um, I think, the, the very first in terms of the science side of it, that something was very wrong. Um, and then from there, it went to the um, the FOIA. And we were told, actually, it wasn't FOIA, the, the leaked Japanese um, preclinical data package, which I think was in um, May, might have been in April of 2021. Right. And, and we just tore that thing apart. And it was it was it was incredible what what we found in terms of what they didn't do that if if we had put that together to get a drug through there is no way in heck we would have been able to proceed to clinical trials based on that they had pulled all sorts of stuff that um you know um using assays that that weren't appropriate um for instance using a reporter gene like luciferase instead of using the spike protein which was just odd and and we'll, I'd, I'd actually like to touch on that later. I mean, we just we just couldn't understand what was happening. There was no reproductive toxicity done. The toxicity studies were um, very poor. They weren't done organ by organ. It was just they ground up the whole animal, basically, and looked for toxicity. It was just this bizarre. They used whole animal imaging um, instead of uh, looking at the individual organs. It, it, it just, it was, it was wrong. And that was very upsetting for both so of us. So, so you, you've, you know, I mean, you're an expert on the regulatory for the clinical right. trials and you've been in this for decades. When you talk to your colleagues that you've worked with who are still on the inside, are they conflicting? Cause I know that some of the people that I have been speaking to that have not gone on camera, they're not, they're not, right. Right. Press, but they have resigned because they just couldn't take it. Right. Um, so I would say at this point, there is almost no one I'm still talking to. Um, I, um, there's a couple of people I received a Christmas card from. They've kind of let us know early on that they were not on board, but mm -hmm. that, um, retirement was coming up and, and they were going to stick it out. Um, but at this point, people are so frightened of us that are on the inside that they don't talk to us. What's the upside for you for, for, for writing this book? I mean, is, is it, did it help you to, to kind of take a look at the big picture? And, and Absolutely. To Absolutely. Organizing my own thoughts, putting that together. That book was a huge effort. I think it's almost 500 pages um, to, to organize it like, like, um, and Robert had the um, idea to do it where we had the positions and the scientist stories up front. And then we tackled kind of what the problems were and then finally tried to find some solutions at the end. Organizing it like that, really helped, I think, both of us clarify in our own minds just how big this problem is and that this is not just a U.S. problem. When we were in Austria um, last week, this weekend, um, the stories they have are the same stories we have. I mean, this has been placed upon the world systemically. I mean, it's it's really scary. They talked about how in, in Vienna, all the artists have been paid off to do, you know, commercials and, and to do art, you know, because Austria is very into their arts, you know, mm -hmm. um, that are pro-vaccine and that anybody who, who didn't um, comply with that has been ostracized from the arts community. This is scary. I mean, it, all over the world, this has gone on. Um, yeah. Well, it's, you know, 
when when people have criticized you, how is that? Because when I read the book, I mean, it sounds as if it, it, you have you guys have felt that you've really been attacked in some, yeah. in some ways. And have you have did you expect to, to have this happen? Not at first. No, no. I mean, what happened with Wiki, where they were actively going and they 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 not only changed, you know, um, who and who were the original inventors of the mRNA vaccines and the DNA vaccines, they changed his wiki page, but then they locked them all. So nobody can change that. Like nobody, you know, cause oh, wiki's yeah. supposed to be open, but for Robert's page, they changed it in a negative way and then they locked it. And then whenever they want to add, so for instance, the New York times did a hit piece on Robert early this year, they went back in, opened it up, inserted that reference and then locked it again. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So this is, this is not, this have is you, not you, like private editors. This is, this is government. This is government. So yeah. have you gone back to Wiki and, and asked them about this? Um, you really can't, you're not allowed to edit your own Wiki page. You're not allowed to have other people edit it for you. People do, they hire professionals and, and Wiki pretends that that doesn't happen. But in fact, no, we can't, there's no way we can get through to them. And we haven't tried. Um, uh, there's a editor by the name of Philip Carr, Philip Cross from um, the UK. Uh, it's clearly um, government driven. He does like some crazy number of posts, thousands of posts a day. One person um, first, you know, during Afghanistan, anyone who was against the Afghanistan war, he would attack. Then he was attacking, you know, he's written every single edit to the um, ivermectin page. Anybody mm -hmm. who's against the vaccines and in, in these vaccines in the movement, he's the what he is, mm -hmm. quote unquote, the person. It's very clear that this is that this is um, government led, and that it, there's a lot of debate whether Philip Cross is even a real person. Well, that 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 can that can happen. What is the, what was the hardest part to write in the book? Um, I think this, the the bioweapon stuff was really hard to write. Um, um, tell the audience about them. Yeah. So the bioweapons convention convention, um, is a highly technical document that basically has huge loopholes in it and going through that technical document and pulling out those loopholes that say, for instance, we're allowed to, um, research and develop and stockpile defensive bioweapons, but not offensive and please um, enlighten me as to what the difference is because I don't know the difference. Um, and, and finding those loopholes and writing about that in a way that was understandable. So one, um, is, one is for health. One is to kill people. That's, well, that's, de that's, de that's defensive. Yeah. But, but, but it's just a question of how they're used. Right. A defensive bioweapon. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When you're talking about, for instance, a vaccine, so mm -hmm. this is the problem when, with you know, and also our definition of bioweapon has changed so much from when that convention was first written. So well, the technology has advanced since when? Yeah, yeah. So that really needs to be redone. And the fact, you know, and pulling out, you know, Israel never signed that convention. There's about 10 countries that have not, 190 have. So pulling out those details and writing about them in an understandable way was um was hard. And um, likewise, the human augmentation chapters of, you know, with what the military is doing um, in terms of, of um, developing human augmentation for warfare is, was uh, a hard lift. Did you know that three years ago? No, 
No idea. You had no idea? No idea. I had no idea. And the, the humanization of mice was going on? The humanization of mice, yes, I knew about that. Yeah, that's that, is, that is. What is the ethics on that in your industry? The ethics, well, the humanization is, is fairly common, actually, mm -hmm. and it's used to study various, you know, diseases. Um, so that's been around for a long time. And the ethics is actually fairly laissez-faire, um, um, you know, as long as it's not gain-of-function research. And um, uh, it, but it is, you I mean, know, it, it is. is. I agree. It I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. When, when people yeah. go out and they, and they're in the, take, take the specimens from the wild. Right. Into the laboratories, they try to humanize it. They try to figure out if it's transmissible to human beings. Right. They right. call it science. Right. Right. But it's not. It's gain of function. Right. It's gain of function. And they kind of get away with it by if it's not an infectious disease, it's OK. Has, has kind of been where things slid. But, you know, I can remember back when I started working in a lab and anything you did with recombinant DNA, you had to take it in front of a committee. And that lasted for about, you know, five years up until about 1999. And then slowly it just kind of fell away because it was so onerous and, and institutions stopped kind of requiring it. Um, you know, um, you write a, a blanket protocol that does for your whole lab, basically. It's not a experiment by experiment. Um, so, so in my opinion, we need to really go back and stress bioethics. We need to retrain our scientists to um, be aware and not allow gain-of-function research and that slippery slope. You know, chimeras is another one. There's just a whole lot of research that, in my opinion, should not be done. And we so need to I, think I, I, shut down. I think it's Frankenstein science. I do, too. I do, I mean, too. There's, and there's, there's, there's something wrong with these. And they're right, the, the, I call them the coronavirus hunters. Okay? Yeah, and, and, and so I think, I think we have to start by looking um, at kind of the obvious um, targets. And I think one of them is human augmentation or human cybers, because that's so far out on the line. And you have um, military uh, complexes around the world, such as in the UK and Germany, freely admitting that they don't care about the bioethics because other countries are doing it. So therefore, they have to do it. And it's not covered by any sort of treaty. I mean, it's it's obscene. And so not, not only that, not only is it obscene and immoral and dangerous for the it's, human it, rights, it's really dangerous. But it, I mean, it, it, there's there's no there's no protocols. There's right. no safeties. And right. even even for some of these people who are in some of these third world countries that are being hired, they're not even protected because right. nobody's explaining to them this is really dangerous. And it's hard now to get to because, you know. So when I started looking into this, you know, you can find references, you can find um, newspaper articles from about 2013 to about 2020. And then there started to be alarms raised. And now you can't, the military is no longer writing these little articles that go into military news, you know, dot mil, whatever about, oh, look what we're doing. And it's all kind of going under the table. So really the only way you can find it easily is by looking at the grants and contracts that have been issued mm -hmm. and then trying to track those reports down FOIA, the reports on those grants and contracts and hope that they're not classified. That's a big lift. That's a big list for any investigative journalist, you know? And so for Robert and I, we've been having to retrain ourselves, but we're just two people. Um, well, we need you know, more people working on this and we need, the, and, and the problem is there's so much corruption now. 
it you know as um robert has his state this this statement that it gets kind of boring every rock you you overturn there's more corruption you know so it's keeping it fresh and keeping the public engaged is really hard because there's so much going on in the world right now well the, it's always been there i mean it's been in plain sight but pe people don't have a tendency it, it doesn't walk into their world i mean i don't think right. any, no the world did not give a lot of thought to vaccination until no, 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 no. Until we have until we have someone with some bizarre exoskeleton or genetic genetic engineering something happen to him and he goes out and he kills a bunch of people or she, we're not gonna the public isn't gonna pay attention until another until another virus is released and there's you know a whole bunch of people die or get very sick from it. You know, this is yesterday's news now. And so how to how to keep this fresh, I think, is is difficult, knowing that this research is going on, knowing that our military is developing these technologies. But, you know, um, God bless Elon Musk for what he's done with Twitter. But the fact is, is that Neuralink is his company and he is busy, you know, um, in the name of, you know, helping the disabled put chips into people's brains. And, you know, a company that is well capitalized. They are not doing this to help uh, people with spinal cord injuries walk again. They're doing this for military purposes. And so this, you know, we need to keep bringing to light that this is going on. And and it's not just Elon Musk. It's 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 many others who have large military contracts to work on this stuff. What's what what do you think is the next hurdle that we're going to be facing covering this? Hmm. The fact that um, most journalists, most scientists, most of the administrative state, and most of um, Congress on both sides of the aisle would prefer that this all go away. You know, how, you know, you've got a few senators, a few Congress people willing to investigate. Um, I feel at this time, the, the next big thing is really to continue to dig into the gain of function research and what happened because there appears to be a willingness by Congress to look at that issue. And so I feel like that's a little bit of a door open that we need to go down and, and push on. Well, I've, um, I've, you know, I've also, I mean, having, having covered politics for 40 years, I also noticed what's never said. And, and I, I think with all of the round tables with Senator Johnson, the one thing that is not, that I have not heard from him is the elephant in the room in Washington, D.C., which is the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturing Association. Yes. It's a trade association. And there's probably a handful of members who have not taken at least six, and I mean a handful, in the House and the Senate who have not taken uh, millions of dollars. In yes, that is, that is absolutely the that needs to be, That needs to be there. I yeah. also know that, that through sources that there were some topics that Senator Johnson did not want brought up last no, week. No, I, I can tell you, Robert gave Senator Johnson a large list of things that needed to be covered and, and they were not covered. I mean, um, I understand that they, 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 Johnson didn't want to talk about the cancer. Johnson didn't want to talk about some of some of the, the you know, the uh, the databases in the military. They didn't want to talk about the key Tom case. I mean, you know, people need to, people can handle this. Yeah, you know, and if yeah. and if you know Johnson wants to continue to hold these, he needs to understand that everything needs to be on the table, or he's acting like uh, Fauci. Right, right, right. And I, mean, I, I think part of it really was important. that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree. Um, and I and I hope he has more hearings, and he and he pushes 
to have more covered. Um, well, I think he's going to. It, I think he wants yeah. to do it piecemeal. And I'm and I and I keep on saying, what's everybody holding back from? People are dying out here. This is this is yeah. like it's like covering Rwanda, yeah. and, and we're not sending in the UN. And, and the other thing that um, Congress is not investigating is the fact that we have. Um, last time I counted, when you go to clinicaltrials.gov, we have 51 clinical trials with mRNA vaccines now currently enrolling or busy, um, you know, progressing through phases one, two, and three um, for everything from HIV to meningitis to flu. And they all used that preclinical data package that was so, so messed up because the um, U.S. government, the FDA decided that as long as you didn't change anything in that data package, as long as you use the same nanolipid particle, as long as you didn't change the formulation, you just changed the payload. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's a spike protein and some other would be flu or HIV or whatever. Um, they didn't have to do any preclinical work. They could just go right. Well, Robert, Robert did a great presentation yeah. in Virginia about the payload yes. and the platform. Yes. And, that, and yes. that's, that we're going to, we're going to put that up because that, yeah. it, that's his lane. That really yes. is his lane yeah. Yeah. to explain yeah. that so the public understands. But, you know, one of the things that I think is really sad because I've interviewed so many vax injured, they now have markers for HIV. Right. Cancer's right. off the charts. Right, right. Right. You know, and then and, and uh, President Biden was out there over Thanksgiving saying, oh, we're going to pay we're going to spend four hundred and twenty five million dollars from now, Thanksgiving, for the next six weeks to roll out the shots with no acknowledgement about the neurological and the vascular right. injuries to right. these people. Explain to me, Jill, why somebody like Marx at the FDA, who knows firsthand, he knows that, that, that they're neurological and the vascular. What makes a man like him not acknowledge that? What? Who's putting the pressure on him? The president. I really think it's coming from the president. Is it coming from the COVID task force? Yeah. Yeah. I can't see that he would be doing this without um, executive, the, the executive office support. I, I just can't. Um, it, so, it makes guy, no sense. Guy, so, so I really think it's a task force is Biden. I think, um, you know, the White House has got, you know, a lot of sycophants around um, President Biden. And, um, you know, he says this and they all scurry around and they do it. That's all I can think of because it doesn't make sense. Otherwise, I mean, I, I can't go down the path that this is a bioweapon. It, 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 I just can't at this point. And I'd like to see a lot more data on that before I would go down that path. I don't think it's about depopulation. All I can think is that it's, it's really just people being inept and wanting to please the president. Well, we have, we, uh, we, I actually have uh, sitting right here. Although I must say, I do think the argument that they see this as being a critical path to um, warfare in the future and um, having defensive technologies in case there is an offensive vaccine, I mean, an offensive virus as important. And I do think they, they really view this technology as the one that could be a lifesaver years down the road if we had the big pandemic, if we had, you know, something that was more Ebola-like. Um, well, we, we have that's done all I can think of. We have we have documents. We, we have um, we have documents from 2021 of the president's plans for what he wants to do with vaccines in the future. Right. And he wants he wants to take the he wants to take these coronavirus vaccinations 
and turn them into the seasonal flu shots. Right. Absolutely. Oh, they, they, so are, this is, this they is already have fast tracked this month a combined COVID booster and influenza mRNA vaccine to be rolled out. You know, probably I would imagine fall of next year, but they fast tracked that. Well, they've um, also fast tracked the mRNA for and uh, platforms for the uh, TB, malaria, everything else. And all of those use that preclinical data said. package, which is totally messed up. So, and and then it comes out that, um, and this was discussed um, in a WHO meeting of regulators, like a, uh, in um, I guess it would be almost two years ago, where the where the U.S. said that they were going to do this. Um, that came out as a paper about four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the the me- meeting minutes from that. So this, and then you go back to the preclinical data package, and we all went, why did they just use a reporter gene? Why didn't they use the spike protein or um, gene? And then it becomes clear they've been planning this all along because since they use the reporter gene, it's generic for all these trials. So so were your colleagues when you guys when you were working with these people? Everybody's, I mean, the information's there. It's part of the industry's menu. Was it not discussed among people like yourself? No, absolutely not. not this is all trade secret. They don't discuss or publish anything. That's how come Robert took the shots, is we had no idea that the nanolipid particles that they were using were so toxic. They didn't have to publish any of this stuff. This is all trade secret to Pfizer, to BioNTech, to Moderna. So no, no, you don't get to see this stuff. So you were pretty shocked when you when you found out? Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, because I was always wondering with, with the first conversation I think I had with you, you said, you know, I need to talk to Robert. And then I talked to Robert and, you know, he's telling me how dangerous the mRNA is. And then I had a God wink and asked him, you know, did you guys get the shots? And he said, so, yes. so literally like, oh, we wow. worked on this. We could get no, no funding. We worked on the MRNA vaccines. Now what we worked on was, um, you know, it was not with the pseudo uridine. So it was not synthetic. What they're putting in our bodies now is completely which is, different. Which is, which is very important why people should share very, very presentation because it's the difference between real RNA Versus the synthetic. Right. The the real RNA lasts about six hours, three to six hours in your body, and then it degrades and it goes away. It stops making, you know, giving the directions to make that protein. The um, synthetic RNA, there was a cell paper done in um, February of this year, this year, that shows that uh, they, they did fine needle biopsies into lymph node, and they could still get a signal from that RNA 60 days out. Now, it was decreasing but it was still in the body producing protein, which means it's producing a huge amount of protein. And it means that the adverse events, you know, the VAR system picks up about two weeks of adverse events after you take the, the um, jab. But it means that this is going on for, a, that the adverse events go on for a much longer time. And, um, you know, and, and the immunosuppression, which is what the pseudouridine does, um, is gonna go on for a long time too. So it's bad news. Um, yeah, but so going back, I think what I was trying to say is what we worked on, and we worked on it till 2000, was with real RNA. And we had this huge issue with the, um, the catalipids, the nanolipid particles, being toxic in, in rodent models. And um, we went round and round on that. And, and then we, you know, basically we decided to really go into clinical trials research. We shut down the basic lab. We couldn't get money for the for mRNA or DNA vaccines. And we were 
really limited what we could work on at that point because the patents that Robert had had precluded him from working on that because they were owned now by Merck. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and Merck was very aggressive. Vicow was very aggressive in making sure that nobody worked on mRNA and DNA vaccines. And so after we spent about a decade on that, we decided we were going to go into clinical research and, and start a consulting firm. Um, and we stepped out of the hard academic science. We continued to do science. We continued to publish both of us, but we were not, um, you know, we didn't have a bench laboratory anymore. And so from 2000 until 2020, and really we knew when they started working on it again, obviously there were papers put out and it was about, about, 2009, which was when all those patents ran out. That was when Pfizer really picked up that research again. And we just assumed because, you know, that toxicity was known that 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 the lipid nanoparticles that they developed were less toxic. We had no we didn't have a clue that, in fact, they are as toxic as ever. Well, I know that there was a there was a paper that Robert's name was on. I'm trying to think the date. I think it was January or February of 2020 and there was uh i think the guy's name was daryl rich or rick Rick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and they and they in in part of the paper they talk about how when mers and sars one happened years ago yes they had they had um used mrna on the mice and in fact that you know there was damage right and you know the suggestion is don't use don't use this on humans Right. Right. So, I mean, this is, I mean, if people know this from 15 years ago, it raises the question, what are these people doing? Right. Are they that inept? I mean, that's that's what comes to mind or, or, or are they, you know, what were they thinking? But, you know, even, and, and we do have indications that they really are that inept. We, we had, um, when people were talking to us, we had somebody who was involved in figuring out the, the dosing on the Moderna. And basically it was a committee where one person was saying we should use, you know, 200 micrograms and another was saying we should use 25 and another, and they settled on a hundred because that was kind of the number in the middle. Like there was no dose escalation studies done with mice or with humans or any, you know, usually when you do a phase one clinical trial, you you do it at different doses so you can see, you know, what's working with that's actually just safety at that point. None of that was done. They just chose a dose out of, out of basically thin air. God help us. God help us. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's why it has to be a full exposure. Everything needs to be on the table. The uh, Capitol Hill should not hold back. I mean, the, the people. But they are. I mean, there's nobody talking about <laughs> investigating this stuff, you know, as, um, as I understand it, um, they all think it's a big success other than about 10 senators and Congress people. And they think it's a success based upon what evidence? Um, the fake modeling data that this come out of the Imperial College in UK. Which tell, tell the audience about that, Joe. Yeah. So, so I'm not a modeler. So, you know, <laughs> I'll say that right now, mm-hmm. but there was a man in, in the Imperial College and his name is eluding me who very early on the pandemic said that, you know, millions, if not billions of people were going to die. He's the one who just had, you know, he, he modeled uh, based on the RO number, which is the amount of infect, you know, basically how infectious this is and, and how lethal it was and said, you know, I don't know, some crazy number. Um, um, And so everything was based on that. And then about a month ago, he wrote another paper and said, Oh, look, you know, we didn't have, I don't know what the number was. Was it, you know, 
um, a sixth of the, of the world's population die. We only had 6 million people die. Therefore, these vaccines saved X number of lives. It was some crazy number. And it was all, it was all made up. It was horrible well, modeling from the very beginning. And um, the mainstream media picked it up like, look, we, the vaccines have saved a, a bazillion lives. And it was all, um, uh, the modeling to begin with was corrupted. The numbers weren't really real. The case fatality rate he used was way too high. The infectivity rate he used was way too high. So his initial modeling back in 2020 was just wrong. And um, to go back and use that same modeling to say that the vaccines have saved all these lives is is duplicitous. Well, it's scary because then you have people on Capitol Hill that, in fact, believe this. Right, right. I mean, that's and 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 to be honest, Senator Johnson actually, and I don't know if I should tell the story or not. He he was very disappointed because he was in a room with a bunch of senators who'd read that paper and they were congratulating themselves on how many lives they'd saved, and he was disgusted. Wow, wow. I hate to, I hate to think of I hate to think how long this is going to take to get this stuff off the shelves. I remember right. when I was when I was watching the the latest roundtable at the very end. I was I was hoping somebody was going to come out and say, "Take this off the shelves, stop this." And thank God, um, Peter McCullough, you know, forcefully said that because that's what needs to be said. It needs you're to be doing, said, and, and, and I mean, what do these guys think in Capitol Hill? when they take a look at what happens in Denmark and they have right. people coming out right. in Australia. I mean, right. there are some people on the planet who have woken up and realized that these are dangerous as hell. Right. And I was just watching um, uh, the news feeds, which show um, what's happening in China right now, in which they're saying, you know, bodies are piling up and they show basically two wrapped bodies in a hallway, which doesn't to me indicate you know, bodies piling up at all and say, and basically making the argument clearly, oh, they didn't have good vaccines. They need to buy our mRNA, you know, basically the U.S. and the WHO want to sell them um, mRNA vaccines, you know, to stop their huge number, their big surge, you know, which is crazy because what they want to sell them isn't going to work for this virus, which is, um, you know, the vaccine that they have is mostly Wuhan. And right. this virus is, is something completely different from that. Um, the commercialization of this is disgusting. The amount and the fact that Pfizer and Moderna and all these pharmaceutical companies basically have bought off the World Health Organization and are funding a large part of it now is just wrong. And that's another thing that has to change. The the WHA either needs to be replaced or cleaned up. It cannot take money from pharmaceutical companies. It cannot take money from NGOs. It is being swayed by commercial interests, and that is wrong. And that money, by the way, is going to support full-time employees, FTEs. Those FTEs are beholden to the pharmaceutical industry and to NGOs like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And this is another huge problem we have. Um, you guys you guys um, have been connected to the Gates Foundation in the past, right? A long time ago, yes. Robert right. has, so, not me. Yeah. Okay, so, so when you see where... He was then, long time ago. Right. And now you see his influence uh, in the healthcare industry, pharmaceutical industry. What's your feeling about this? My feeling right now is that um, it is sick, that he has made who knows how much money off of this pandemic, that he basically funds initial research and then gets in the back door and um, invests early in companies um, and then makes a huge killing on them. This is not right. Um, he should not be involved in 
um, funding pandemic and uh, research and development, infectious disease research and development. You know, our government doesn't allow pharmaceutical companies to give them money. Okay, so, you know, like, or NGOs. Okay, so so Pfizer cannot give the FDA a billion dollars. Okay, so so what they've done, what they've done is they set up the foundation for for NIH, the foundation for CDC, the foundation, and then there and then those NGOs and those pharmaceutical companies are giving money to those foundations, which are all composed of federal employees, and they are doing and they are doing the research that both the pharmaceutical company wants and the U.S. government wants. And the whole thing is so corrupted now and nobody's making anything. I mean, these foundations have got to end. I mean, because we're not talking about some little NGO. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars that the um, FDA is getting basically to conduct research on behalf of the um, pharmaceutical industry. This is incredibly corrupt. Jill Malone. Get this book, everybody. Lies my government told me. Thank you so much. You're Happy welcome. Holidays, and I hope you. I hope the book is a big success for you. Thank you.